Hello, John and Alicia Looney. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so welcome back to the States. Thank you. It's really good to be back. So. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, so you were referred to me by, uh, by one, of our, uh, one of our members or listeners. And you are, tell me if I have this right, and we're going to talk more about it, but you are missionaries in the Honduras where you, I don't know if you've built a school or a mission of some sort for, uh, for disabled children. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. We okay. started a school for special needs kids. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So before we jump into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your family and, and then we'll get into the, into everything. Uh, well, uh, we're John and Alicia Looney and, uh, we have, Two children, Drew and Austin, who are down serving with us in Honduras as well. Uh, and uh, we are both were special education teachers in the States. Uh, and so that was a, a passion for, of ours. And then we also felt like we wanted to go on the mission field. Uh, so we just prayed about what that would look like and uh, really just prayed. And then uh, an opportunity came up and it came available uh, to, in Honduras to go and work at a school. Uh, in Honduras, uh, called a, it's called Abundant Life uh, Schools there, and so we, we our our plan was to go down there and uh, uh, get working in that school and establish a special needs program within that school. Uh, but as as what happens anytime you do something that God's calls you to do, he he saw a bigger picture, uh, and so we were able to go go down there and work for a couple years. Uh, at the school and kind of learn how things are done down there and then got us introduced to like the mayor of our village and some other people and uh, after a couple of years there we were able to uh, have a list of students and uh, the permissions we needed to start our own school uh, and so that was really amazing to see how God worked that all out uh, and we can get into more detail about that but that's just kind of a quick history of how, how we got to where we are is that we, we were living in St. Peter's Missouri before we came to Honduras and we both worked uh, for the Fort Zumwalt School District so I was at an elementary school for Forest Park Elementary and John was at South High School so that's where we worked and lived before we uh, decided to move to Honduras <laughs> okay well I grew up in St. Peter's and I went to Hal, uh, Hal North, and I had three boys that graduated from South High. Um, awesome. Yeah, so it's a small world, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you guys were both special ed teachers in the same school district. Is exactly. that how you met each other, or was there something else that got you together? Uh, actually, we met um, online, actually. Back in the day. Uh, back in the day. Uh, <laughs> When you had to sign up for a Yahoo account, she signed up for one, and I guess she filled out a Yahoo personal ad and didn't even realize it. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> I, I had moved to the St. Louis area uh, to help take over a hotel. I was in the hotel industry at the time, uh, and I moved up to uh, help me and a friend. We're going to take over a couple hotels, uh, and we moved up here, and so I was new, and I, I saw her ad pop up, and I was like, oh, she sounds like a – a nice person to talk to because she put that she was a Christian and all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I need a new church. So I wrote her and we started talking. And the first few times I wrote her, uh, I didn't really tell her much about me uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. So I think the second or third time she wrote me, she asked me if I was some internet weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, yes, you're not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Little does he know. Well, his last name was Looney, so that was kind of interesting too. There you go. There you go. Um, so wait, so establishing a Yahoo account, were you on dial-up at the time? Yeah. <laughs> For people that know what that is too. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because I don't either I don't remember a time when I didn't have Yahoo, and that's because it's that it's been around for that long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So you were, so Alicia, you were like filling out your personal information without realizing you were. Yeah. I thought it was just all part of, you know, filling, like getting an email account. So then I started getting these emails from all these <laughs> random guys. And I'm like, my email has been hacked or something. And then I, this one came in from him and he's like, Oh, I'm new to the area and I'm looking for a church. So that got me kind of like, interested i'm like oh well i need to be the good christian and <laughs> tell at least where my church is that is really funny yeah before you even gave a thought to put your personal information on the internet right because you didn't yeah. yeah yeah so uh what church did you guys go to in saint peter's uh we went to life point church life point, yeah okay. life point church yeah it's uh off of actually it's off of uh, mexico road now now it yeah. was off of highway k when we went to it uh and stuff, but now they got a new place off of Mexico Roads. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not far I, from Rock Creek Elementary. So. Gotcha, gotcha. I actually interviewed uh, Wendy Dickin a couple of days ago, and she said her daughter knows you from Life Point Church. I don't know if her name last oh. name Dickin or not. So. Yeah. Um. So okay, so you so you meet online, and <laughs> and you end up you're you're going to church together, and you start I assume you start dating as well, right? Uh-huh. So how long did you work in, I guess, work in the school district or how long was it before you started thinking about uh, missions and, and what got you started thinking about that? Well, um, I actually grew up on the mission field in Mexico. My parents are missionaries. So I grew up as a missionary kid. So I missions was in my blood. And so uh, actually when John uh, went to ask my dad, <laughs> Uh, for my hand in marriage, my dad actually said, well, I know my daughter is called to missions. So before I give you permission, you have to go on a foreign mission trip uh, to get the permission. <laughs> so, so then my dad asked John where he'd like to go and John decided to say China. So go big or go home, I guess. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to go somewhere where I know like I'm at least as big, if not bigger than the people. Like, you know, I like, I like, it's a big place and I, I loved it. And, you know, I spent two weeks in China and it, it changed my life. Like anybody that goes on a mission trip and doesn't come back saying their life has been changed. I don't know what they did. Uh, Cause it just, it changed everything. And uh, I was a paraprofessional for eight years in the, in the Fort Zumal school district. And then I went back and finished and got my master's in special education. Uh, and became a teacher and then I taught for four years and it, it was really funny because I thought when I got my master's degree and got my teaching job that maybe the missions was over like you know that we weren't going to go on the mission field and little did I know that that was actually preparing us for what God was calling us to do on the mission field and what he's been having us do and so so during our like marriage we're we'd always like talk about missions and whenever we had opportunity to go on short-term mission trips, we did. We went on three different short-term mission trips with uh, LifePoint Church to Mex back to Mexico. So I was convinced that we'd be going back to Mexico, you know, on, on as full-time missionaries. That was, that was the thought. But, you know, life happens and sometimes you start thinking, oh, well, maybe this missions thing is just 
going to be a short-term thing or we're not going to be full-time mission missionaries but then God changed it all and we were able I mean it just got so heavily impressed on our heart um especially it, when we were going on our short-term um it even it had even gotten to uh real hard on our heart that we had a meeting with our pastors uh from life point and we just said we feel like we're gonna be in sometime in the next year to moving on the mission field and we really and we even at the time fought mexico and kind yeah. of said mexico yeah <laughs> uh, and then alicia's sister and mom uh they take a group down to honduras their spanish classes they, they teach spanish classes at north county christian uh school and they take a trip to honduras for like last eight or ten years something yeah like that. uh and her sister went down there and they were at a coffee shop uh, and Mr. Jake, who is one of the uh, directors of the schools uh, in Honduras, met up with the sister. Her sister was telling her all about it. And she was like, man, this would be perfect for my sister and her husband. Uh, so she got a brochure, uh, a pamphlet, or whatever to call it, and brought it back to Alicia. But Alicia didn't tell me for a month because she's like, if I show them, then that might mean Mexico is, is, off. Not, is, is off the table. So after a month of it, like doing like the beating heart thing, I think, and she couldn't take it anymore. She showed me and I was like, man, this sounds perfect. So I emailed Mr. Jake just to ask him some questions. And he, I wrote him on a Monday, I think it was. Uh -huh. And he says, I'm going to be in St. Louis in two days. Oh, can you, can you meet with me? <laughs> uh, and so we're like, yeah. So we go and we meet with him. We hear it and we were just talking. And all of a sudden I look over and Alicia's crying. And I'm like, I thought the interview was going well. Why is she crying, right? You know. And uh, so I, uh, I leaned over to her and I looked at her and said, "What's the matter?" And she just looked at me and said, "We're not going to Mexico, are we?" And I was like, "I don't think so." And so that's how we ended up going to Honduras, uh, even though in our hearts we thought uh, Mexico or somewhere like that. But then yeah. God just made a real impression on our hearts for Honduras, and you know, the rest has been yeah. great. And I mean, we were already special ed teachers, but we thought, oh, we'll just. We took regular ed positions. John John took the sixth grade position to teach at the Christian school, and I took the second grade position. And so, but we thought, oh, well, you know, we could at least, like, maybe start a program within that school or whatever. Um, so, but that wasn't the plan. You know, we did, you know, God did lead us to be able to start our own school now. But, um, yeah, even when you try to, like, mess up God's plans, <laughs> He's still, well, you're still going to end up where you need to end up. <laughs> and it's, it's a testament to our first couple of years of, you know, doing what God has put on your heart. Because when we were there, down in where we live, they have soccer fields. And in Honduras, soccer is the major sport, mm -hmm. uh, and, or football, as they call it there, and everything. And it just, there was this beautiful, like, soccer field in the middle of our little town, but it's locked. And you have to pay to get into it. And I was just like, for a few, the first few months we were there, I was like, wouldn't it be great if we just opened that field up once a week, had kids come in and do like a devotional with them and then let them play soccer. And I thought about it for months. And then finally, Alicia's like, how about we stop talking about it? Uh, and we, we do it. And so we went to talk to the mayor about permission and we kind of met the mayor through abundant life and working there and stuff like that and kind of built our reputation there. And we met with him and he loved it. And he's like, you guys are the first missionaries that like want to do something inside the city of our thing, you know, and he's like, I love it. And so we started a program called Faye and Football uh, that we did for three years and stuff. And it was just, we just did a devotional 
and had the kids come in and just are doing that every Tuesday and being there and be consistent. The mayor saw that. So when it came time for us to go ask for approval to do our school, uh, we were just blown away because at first he, the mayor said, I, we asked for permission and the mayor, because we were going to do it in our, we have a little apartment-ish kind of room like in our house. Yeah. And we were going to do it there. And he, he said, no. And all of a sudden we were both like, oh no, what are we going to do? You know? And he said, no, if we're going to do this, we need to do it right. And he said, I have a building I want to give you. Uh, I want to be able to be this to be out in the middle of the town so everybody can see it. Uh, and then they had a town meeting that next month and they got it approved that the city pays for the electric and the water for our school. Uh, and so that was just above and beyond anything we ever could imagine. So now we had a school, we had a building, and then now we were starting to get a list of kids and parents and people that would want, want our school. So the way it just happened was 100% God. It was, it, was, it was amazing to just watch it unfold, just the relationships that we spent two years building and cultivating, coming back and doing that. So that's why we just encourage people. If God's got you something on your heart to do it, do it and do it to the best of your ability. Cause you don't know what he's opening later down the road with it. So. Hey, Alicia, I want to back up a little bit. That's, I and mean, that's awesome. By the way, the, what did you say? was it, what was the football thing called? It's called Fe e football. So oh, you, oh, it was in Spanish. Okay. That's why I didn't yeah, know. It's like, Spanish. So it's <laughs> faith and football, but it's okay. faith football. Yeah. Cool. Great. So, Alicia, you grew up in Mexico, baby. I mean, that's home for you, right? Uh-huh. And where yeah. was that? Mexico City or somewhere else? Uh, Veracruz City. So okay. Veracruz, Veracruz, right on the Gulf of Mexico. So you grew up speaking Spanish and English probably, right? Exactly, yes. And John? English. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I was guessing that, but I... <laughs> English. <laughs> English, yeah. Um, so yeah, so so I can understand why you would have been so like you want to you want to do what makes the most sense, but you're like, man, I I'd love to go back home, right? And uh huh, yeah. Um, and and the, it's Spanish in Honduras, right? It's not exactly yes, okay. Spanish. So John, how are your how how are your first year or two there learning Spanish and adjusting to that? Uh, it was it was interesting and it was it was fun though because I felt like for some people it was a connection because it's amazing how many people want to learn English down there. So they're like, you help me with English. I'll help you with Spanish. Uh, so I had a lot of people that helped me with that. Uh, the one thing I did learn is to never trust sixth graders <laughs> with, with what they tell you to say. Cause they'd be like, mister, you should say this. It's a common phrase. And I being naive, I guess Duh. would go up in the office and say, Hey, the sixth graders taught me this and all the Hondurans draws would drop. Be like, don't say that. Like, so, so if you're learning a language, don't don't trust sixth graders to give you good things to say. Uh, but it was it was fun, and so, uh, but yeah, it's been really good, and I I feel like now we've been down there four years. I I have a working knowledge. I'm able to do the school and help still kind of teach in Spanish now. I can go to the store and get the things I need, and but it really has been really great with the people down there that have been willing to help me and just kind of. I say something wrong, they kind of correct me and or and we just kind of have fun with it. And you just have to be willing to make uh like we got told in our training and I, I've got to live it. You just have to be willing to make a thousand mistakes and be okay with it. And that's how you learn. But uh yeah, it's definitely it's hard harder when we're together because she'll talk fluently <laughs> and stuff, and then they look at me and I'm like, Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I think he should. Uh, and yeah. now our boys are fluent. <laughs> sure. Oh. 
because now we've been there four years, so both of our boys are fluent yeah. in Spanish. Um, but again, young minds, and then they're at school, you know, eight hours of the day. So they're getting Spanish grammar classes, especially our little one. He's in the first grade. You know, he's getting learning to read and all the basics of Spanish. Like if John could just go sit in those classes, <laughs> he'd probably. <laughs> it's really, really bad. Put in the little desk. When I'm, it's really bad when I'm out with my little son and I like somebody says something in Spanish and I look at him like, what they say, and uh, or something. Like, it's it's fun. You just have to be humble about it and understand and all stuff. But like I said, it, it's getting there where I feel like I have a good working knowledge and can communicate and stuff. But yeah, it's taking some time. I wish I was as much of a sponge as our kids are, but. But it'll get there. So. And how long have you been down there? We just finished our fourth year. This was okay. our fourth year that we done. And how many years has the school been open? Uh, two years. This was the okay. end of our second year. Okay. All right. Year. I mean, I, I love I love your story about. Well, first of all, I love the fact you say, "Well, let's stop talking about it, just do it." Right? Like it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's get kids in here and. And then just take that relationship that led to being able to open uh, something that was needed, right? Something that was exactly. very much needed. So, yeah. yeah, what we had learned uh, just right off the bat, you know, we, we were special ed teachers in the state. So we, you know, were used to working with kids and, you know, them being completely integrated, you know, at, like they are in the United States. Well, we quickly found out in Honduras, kids that have special needs are not allowed, pretty much not allowed to go to school. Um, so some of the kids that were at Abundant Life where we were teaching had siblings, um, that had Down syndrome or autism. And, um, when they found out we were special ed teachers, so we were like, oh my goodness. So we opened an afternoon tutoring, um, program in our home for the siblings of the children that were going to school to come and but then we realized they're like this is the only schooling they're getting is 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 the couple hours we could give them a week and we were working full time at abundant life and so our heart is for children with special needs so we're like we gotta it was scary because we're like that at least with abundant life we did have a salary. It was a small salary, but it was enough to at least live in Honduras. So we're like, oh, wow, we're going to have to just raise full support, you know, from the states to be able to do this. And then we did think we're like, oh, my goodness. Well, I guess we could just kind of do it at our house. But I mean, God, as soon as we said, OK, we're doing it. And we told the director from the school, we're like, we told him in January, we're like, OK, we're quitting at the end of this. And he's like, well, how many students do you have? And at the time, we only had like three but he's like, so you're going to quit for those three? And we said, yeah, we're going to quit for those three. And he's like, well, what about like, how are you going to live? Like, how, you know, you don't, how, you're not going to have any money. You know, we're like, well, God will provide some way. You don't have a building. You don't have, to. we're like, God will provide some way. And sure enough, he has been more than faithful to provide. So we yeah. have a building. Um, and so, and, and now our school is accredited through the secretary of education of Honduras. And it is the first school accredited in the, the nation of Honduras for special needs kids. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so, so when you, when you first went, did you have, did you raise funds? Did you spend time raising funds to go down? Yeah, we, we had some funds and uh, I think it was a little bit, we had people that really 
supported us and helped us that did get, start off from the get-go uh, supporting us. But I think it was a little bit tougher because we were making a little bit of a salary from the school. So some you know, people were kind of like, well, you're making salary from the school. So I don't think we probably did as much fundraising as we could have done uh, because we like we are getting a salary and uh, stuff like that. But then when, you know, they asked us to step out, uh, like she just told that story, like we went and talked to that, to the director and he's like, do you have a building? We're like, nope. He's like, do you have students? And we're like, well, as of right now, no, <laughs> we have three. And then he's like, do you have support? And I said, no. Uh, and so we just prayed about it and we just were like, we need probably about another 900 to $1,200 a month support. To, to make this work and so this summer that next summer this was in January that summer we'll go home and we'll try to raise that support mm -hmm. and what was amazing is after we signed our letter of intent to say we weren't coming back officially to the school uh, like she said within a month we had a, we had a building we had uh, the, the support of the mayor behind us we had a list of 30 potential students so we actually had to like cut it down because we could only take so many yeah. Uh, and then that summer, before we went home that summer, we told people kind of on Facebook and messaging and stuff like that, that we were stepping away and going to go full time. So we had to raise our support. We had six or seven hundred dollars of more a month already submitted before we even went back to the States. Mm -hmm. uh, so it just that when she talks about how God provided, that's it. That's what we got to see is God just opened door after door. And it was just amazing. And like she said, we got to be open up the first school that is recognized and accredited by the Department of Education uh, in Honduras that for school that is specifically for special needs children. And it's like, that's such a blessing. And then we were on a task force the last year, year mm -hmm. and a half, year probably, year. Uh, where they wrote a training manual for all teachers to help them learn how to work with children with special needs and what they can do. And this manual just got printed in November of this year, I think October or November. Mm -hmm. And now it's being sent out to every school throughout the nation and to like anywhere colleges that teach teachers how to become, and they are, they're going to get that manual. And so that to us was just God like even training taking, the, taking the our impact even bigger because yeah. we could only yeah. do so much as two people, but that manual is going to train te many teachers on how to accept kids with that. And I think it's going to open even more doors. And so I think it's just, we're, we're blown away by what we've been able to see done in the last two years. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So will that enable like more um, schools to take on kids with special needs then? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so now, um, so now they were going to implement it this school year, but their school <laughs> year starts in February in Honduras. It goes February mm -hmm. to November. So then COVID-19 right. <laughs> has hit, but basically what they're going to do is give, each school building will have these manuals and like a kind of a tool training or whatever. And then John and I um, will be asked to, to travel and do like little workshops and just give like, you know, tools in the hands of the teachers that could work with. I mean, yeah. at this point, we're, we're even talking like kiddos that just are having some dyslexia, ADHD, um, some stuff that, in the States, it would just be very little, you know, uh, assistance, but um, they don't know how to help help the kiddos. So, um, and they have great hearts, but if you, they don't know how to help them, you know, so that that's a that's a next big even, puzzle piece for us that we're excited about. And even with that, with our schedule was another thing where we just see God provided because when we started our school, 
we decided we would do Monday, Monday through Thursday uh, do our school and then we do it from 8 to 12 or 1230 ish and stuff like that and because you know these kids are going from no school we didn't want to have them in from 8 to 4 and <laughs> overwhelm them and so we had Friday because we're like we're going to need a day off during the week to go get supplies and, and on the weekends it's just crazy trying to get stuff mm -hmm. on the weekends there so we're like we'll have Friday as our work day and now what's great about that is because we had Fridays off built in those are the days we can go and do these trainings training. and stuff because they're working during the week so it's really even with the way we scheduled our school at the time God was setting that up and, mm -hmm. and had that on my heart to have Fridays off and I was like because I just felt like we were supposed to have Fridays off to do what we need to do for our school but now it's also opened up the door that we can go travel to these other cities and do these trainings uh, and help and so there again he's just you know just we make our plans but he determines our footsteps and so yeah. it's just been amazing to see so tell me a little bit about how um i'm trying to think of the way to word it but kids with special needs are are treated or those families how do they deal with that if they can't send a kid to school um or or how do how does the culture down there deal with that since there were no schools and no places for those kids to go previously. So what we found was um, a lot of these kids are kind of hidden away. Um, they're kind of the, they don't want to, you know, the parents don't want them to be seen because there is a huge um, belief that possibly the child has a special need because of something their parent did um and so that is kind of a lot in the culture or that yeah. this child is a mistake or a punishment from god so um that's not ever i'm not trying to make a blanket statement i'm just saying that that is kind of in the culture so that is kind of been the the um walls we're trying to break down um, the idea when we've met with the Secretary of Education is these children can learn. These children can learn and they have a purpose and a plan given by God, but these children have the capability to learn. And so that's kind of blows their mind. The thought of that blows their mind. So it's kind of thought, well, this child is not going to be a benefit to the society it's not this child is not going to have value to the community you know so i'm not saying everybody feels that way i'm just saying that's kind of what we've run across mm -hmm. the mayor of our city though has a heart for children with special needs and so god put us in the perfect village in the perfect town with the perfect mayor that is like no i want he wants one of our students to work at his office you know he's actually said that so he he sees them and so um yeah that's that's what it is yeah so. and so uh and so that's why we even like uh I, I walk down to a little store to get our snacks or get some stuff sometimes and i'll take two or three of our students with us with me so that they're out and they're seen that they're with the school and and then we have fought, you know, uh, people, when we first opened up our school, uh, they left uh, uh, where we are, witchcraft is a very, very, it's practiced quite a bit. And we had a dead rat outside our house and the school. And when they do that, 
as we talked to people and found out, they do that because uh, hoping to put a cursor that that place will not open or remain open. Uh, and what's been interesting is there's two, like two or three other centers that got built up the same time our school did. And our school to this day is the only one that's still running mm -hmm. uh, and everything. And so it's just like, but it was the one they tried to curse, but you know, our God's bigger than any curse. And uh, so it's just been, it's been really, that's the thing. And even one of our parents uh, of one of our students is, is a, is a pretty well-known pastor in our area. And he, and he was at one of our open houses or end of year or something. And he said a prayer and he said, and he just did a talk and he said, you know, when, when we found out our daughter was going to have, uh, Down syndrome, we thought, what did we do? You know, why are we, why is God doing this? What did we do? And then he said, but as I've had her, I've come to realize that she's a special gift from God and what a gift she is. And we're so thankful for this couple coming here and revealing to all of us what gifts these children can be. And so that just kind of shows you the culture that we're dealing with is that really they thought they were being punished. Uh, when they had a kid with special needs. And now we're trying to show them, no, it's like these kids are actually, they're blessings and they're like, almost like angels on earth because <laughs> of their hearts and how sweet these kids are. And so it's it's been really good to help kind of break down that. Like I said, I don't want to put that blanket statement that everybody believes that way, mm -hmm. but it is a culturally kind of seen thought, but it's, we're glad that we can kind of be breaking that down a little bit. So The, yeah, uh, that's interesting because it's such that that's a cultural norm is so hard to overcome. Right. And I know you're, you're saying not everybody feels that way, but if 70% feel that way versus their 30%, we're seeing this in America right now, you know, it over time, it, it is what it becomes. And so somebody even doesn't believe it will still have to hide their child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so hard to even say out loud, right. That you, exactly. you have to hide your child. Um, so how many students and teachers do you have right now in your school? So we have 15 kids. Um, and, and this, the first year it was just John and I, and then this last year, um, we, well, the first year we had John and I, and then we had an art teacher, Miss mm -hmm. Suzanne that'd come once a week. And then this year we had John and I and, uh, Miss Suzanne, and then we also were able to hire, um, a Honduran, Miss Diding. And um, so she, so we're so excited and blessed to have job. her. She did an amazing <laughs> job this, this last year. And so we're just really blessed to have her. And that's what we want to do. Like we also have talked to universities, like we want to have student teachers come to our school, Honduran student teachers, you know, so that they can get the practical um experience of how to you know how to do the different therapies and how to work with the kids so yeah yeah the more you pass that along it can spread and spread and spread and, and like you said you were uh -huh. writing the the uh, policies or whatever for the whole state yes what yes. city are, are you in i don't think we mentioned that uh we're in a, a little city called yamaranguila um it's right outside of a bigger city called la esperanza and our state or in honduras they call them departments is called intibuca okay so we are in the mountains we're about mm -hmm. uh, five thousand feet um very nice weather it's basically between 60 and 80 year round except for during the windy season it can get to like the 40s at night yeah so, which is kind of cold without heat but uh <laughs> but it's it's a nice beautiful weather that we get to live in so how big is your town where your school is with the with your mayor that's supportive? Um, 
About ten thousand. About ten thousand or so, or less, so, somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a really like there's the city where we are is the center of the city, but then it's like it it goes out. There's houses all throughout up the mountains and stuff, and in so, the little hills. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. big in like the like the size of it, but there's just not population is big. But like where we work is the city center, and that's the one thing. Uh, the mayor did talk about is that we love that we live near the city center and that we serve in the city center and our program is in the city center. And he's like, he's like, that's what we needed. The people that he were just here wants people to loving see on the city. Cause there are, our uh, school. yeah. And there are other missionaries there that serve on the outskirts and that that's needed too. We're all needed. Uh, but that I think is one thing that got us in with the mayor is that we were in the city. We lived in the city, like among the people, uh, and stuff like that. And so uh, I think that really helped us make a connection, even where we live and what he called us to do. We live we live among the Lanka people. Um, they're the indigenous Honduran people. They're, they're descendants of the Mayan um, Indian, but they're, they have their own language. Um, and so we live very in very uh, authentic, <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, a small village. So yeah. Um, so like for, for a villager, a city of 10,000 to be willing to fund this, that's very meaningful. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the financial situation is there, but you know, regardless, that's not a big sit, big sprawling city with, with lots of, you know, resources, I guess. Yeah. So you said you had 30, 30 something kids apply and were only able to take 15. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, some of them, some of the kiddos were like, we, we had to, we set like an age limit. So we have kids from five to 18. So initially there were, there were, there were, you know, younger, I mean, adults like 23, 25, 26, you know, which, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I'm like, if we want to do that, we have to do another program for them, but it's heartbreaking because yeah. you have a 25 year old who's never been allowed to go to school, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, a lot of our parents of our kids, they're like, my son has friends now, you know? Like, if you think about it, they were just um, in their house, you know, and didn't really get to go out and make friends. And now they have friends, you know? And so it's just, it's just been a, it's just been great. And then the parents, you know, have each other now, you know, we try to do special things where the parents all come together so we can do teach them, you know, um, how to help their kids, but then they get to talk and communicate amongst yeah. each other and support each other. Kelly, yeah, go ahead. Uh, one thing that we also see that I'm I'm really passionate about is when I worked in the high school of the states, I would help with the transition, like kids leaving high school and what what's next for them. And so when we looked at the 18 range, that's where we kind of did the cutoff because. Uh, that's when they can maybe go out and start really working. And I know there's a few of our kids that their parents own stores, small little uh, stores, stores and stuff like that. And their kids are starting to help them. And they're like, Oh, like we put our kid at the cash register and he works. You know, I taught him how to use a calculator and kind of taught him this stuff. And they're like, Oh, he's working in the store now. And like, cause he can use a calculator. You know, now. So that's, yeah. that's like a passion of mine is like, okay, we have these kids from five to 18 and most of our kids are, still a few years away from that, but we have a couple that are a couple years away from that. And what do we do with them? What are, what are they going to do when they leave our school? I want to make sure that they're set up. And so it's really been great working with the parents and even some of these other parents who are like, Oh, well, I own a store. I could take this other kid and my kid and have them work in my store. And so 
even kind of that community has just been great. And, and like even the mayor himself even said, if one of them could come work in our office, in the city office, I'd love to have city one. Office. So we've been yeah. working with stuff like that, trying to train a couple of them. We have a couple of kids that I really think we could thrive, well. at, thrive at that and do really, really well. So we're trying to train them on how to do that and uh, stuff like that. So that's been the great thing about the community is just seeing the parents and then we have open houses and a Christmas program and the parents are just in tears. Like it's just so great for our kids to have something to be involved in and they have friends and uh, it's been a real blessing to our heart. So. I can only imagine, you know, in a way they were, they go from being, I mean, pariahs really to, to having a community, right? Mm -hmm. That's significantly meaningful. That's amazing. So is, so that school that it, it's completely, that's your ministry now and you don't have anything to do with the MK school. It's just totally. Yeah. So our do? boys, our boys are, are still at abundant life school. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's I, their I school. Co I, I coach basketball team there. So I guess that's my connection to that school. still. I'm the boys basketball coach. Uh, but yeah, and we still and like, we've been, like, I've, I've gone, um, just to help with, uh, you know, uh, assessing some kids that maybe needed some extra help. Um, but then this last year, what we were able to do in the bigger city, about 15 minutes from our house, it's called La Esperanza. There is a private school, private bilingual school there. Well, they brought John and I in to do an all staff training on special needs. Well, then after we did the training, they started seeing, you know, they had a lot of kids that were struggling with reading and math and, you know, had dyslexia, um, had, you know, ADHD, different, different things. So then now in the afternoons, I've basically, I've been able to evaluate. I have about 20 kids within that school and um, I go two or three times a week in the afternoons after our school's done and I have small groups and I'm working with them on reading and on math and helping them, you know, with some of their, um, special needs as well so but that school was very open and receptive to having a specialist come in and help so now i'm i'm just hoping that i can train somebody else at the school to continue that you know because it, it you start getting very overcommitted very quickly <laughs> but it's been exciting to see like these 20 kids that were you know had heads down kind of their confidence down and now now that they're getting their help, the help they need, they're starting to read and they're starting to understand, you know, the numbers and the math. And um, so they're starting to be successful. So. That's, that's just amazing. I, you know, what do you, what? I, yeah, that's just, it, it, I, I got no words. I, that's, that's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, just to think of, um, I think probably that, you know, that's where our country was maybe 50 to 70 years ago. Exactly. You, you, you have a yeah. kid with dyslexia and dyslexia, you, we, we grew up thinking that you see letters backwards, but it means it has, it's such a broad um, definition of just somebody that has trouble, really like real trouble learning, processing information, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what to do with that, you just label that kid dumb and stick them in a corner and hope mm -hmm. they don't bother anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Wow. What, Incredible. I mean, just, yeah, incredible. So <laughs> your school has been open two years and you were about to start the third school year. Is that right? In fact, or you did start the uh -huh. third school year. 
We, we will. We'll, we'll be starting this next school year. We'll go back. We'll be starting. We we do like end of August through June okay. um, in our school. Yeah. Right. So, uh, COVID. <laughs> 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 I mean, so our, our, you, you mentioned that re regular schools start in February down there. Is that right? In yes. So are they all, do they have the capability to work or to learn remote or anything like that? Or are they just shut down? Very little, very little, especially the church, uh, the schools. I mean, there's small schools out in these villages. I mean, they're, yeah, they're pretty much frozen. So, yeah. uh, like, yeah, like there's not technology. I mean, most of the kids don't have running water, electricity, or anything like that. So um, our kids were able to still kind of do it virtual, like they were sending them homework at least, their homework assignments, and they were just working. Luckily, most of the kids have books. Unlike, you know, in the United States now, it's gone so tech, um, but our boys had their books. Mm -hmm. So they were just able to continue like working through the book pages you know, and getting help as they needed it kind of a thing. Yeah. But yeah, but what we ended up doing, we were able to get permission from the mayor um, to do house to house uh, therapy. Um, so we just, that's what we did at least once or twice a week. Um, we made up special packets for our kids so that they could practice their skills and not lose, you know, regress. And then um, we went and Besides just going and working with the kids, we we took a weekly provision, food provision, because, um, yeah, like the parents aren't working. Because in, in in Honduras, it uh, since the COVID thing uh, struck and they did the regulations, it's really been the best way to describe it is martial law. You like you can only go out uh, one day a week. Uh, to do your grocery shopping and if if they have residency cards and as long as if the number on your card matched the day you could go out but if you weren't you could actually be if you were found out when you weren't supposed to be you could be arrested uh, and your car impounded and just a bunch of stuff and so it was really difficult for some of these families that live up in the villages to get down there and get the stuff that they needed so we we're just like if we're going to go and got this permission to go do these therapies let's take some food and groceries too and that was just something that we've done actually for the last two or three years at Christmas and Thanksgiving, we do blessing baskets. And it's just a basket with about a week or two worth of uh, groceries and like flour, rice, beans, stuff like that. And uh, for these families, we've been doing that for the last two or three years. And so we're like, let's, let's just do that again for some of our families. And then some of the families around those families that, you know, we saw and we're like, man, they need it too. And so we, yeah. we did that. Communities. We did, we did, you know, about 10 or 15 baskets. Uh, and stuff like that, we're able to do that and go be a blessing. But what was great about that was not only get to see our kids and our kids and their families realize that we care about them, not just as the, oh, you're our students and as long as it's school hours, we, you know, <laughs> we care that they, we care about them all the time. And we're, they're always on our minds and our thoughts. And then the other thing was a few other missionaries in both Yamangila uh, and Esperanza saw what we were doing. They're like, man, we could be doing something like that doing these provisions and these food baskets. And so they asked us what we did and what we usually put in our baskets. Uh, and then they started food drives in, in Yamangila and Esperanza. And I think it, last time I heard over 2000 families had received food and blessings because of these food drives. And they were other missionaries that kind of saw what we were doing and kind of did it on an even bigger scale. 
uh, and we were able to do that, and they, they had the capability to do it. It was amazing to watch, and we're super proud of them. And so uh, it did amazing because there was about 6,000 people that were labeled as people that needed the provisions, and about they had enough for 4,000. Uh, they said for the government, from the government, and they're what they were doing. But these food drives and us and the other food drives, we were able to fill the gap uh, for the ones who did get. And so to me, that was just an amazing part of like, even though it shut down our school, uh, I passed through a church, so that got shut down. Uh, the tutoring that she talked about earlier got shut down. Everything about Band our ministry, got shut everything down. about our ministries got shut down. But it was a way for us to still continue to provide and do and help and love on the people of our community and of our school. And so uh, it was really great. That did help make going through the 11 weeks of lockdown really bearable. I guess <laughs> yeah. you could say it was it, like, I'm not going to sit here and say it was easy. It wasn't, it was really rough. And, uh, but we knew God had us there for a reason and we knew we needed to keep doing something. And at our hope too, when it got canceled in March was, Oh, it's going to be a month. You know, I think like everybody thought, you know, like everybody was hope that hopeful. And so we were just like, well, we'll have school, we'll have school. And all of a sudden, and then finally, I think a week or two before we came back, they finally kind of said, oh, they're going to use our school to store some stuff in so they can use this other clinic uh, if they need to. And it pretty much was them shutting down our school for the year. We do, we weren't going to be able to have school. And so, uh, and then that's when we just really, you know, we just prayed about it and just, what can we do now? And so. Uh, but yeah, so it's just it was just coming up with a new way to continue to bless the people that we've been called to work with, uh, even in the midst of this of this pandemic. And it's been amazing to see that people kind of got a fire lit under them to help these people who were hungry and couldn't work. And it's just amazing how how amazing how during a crisis we see how important Christ is, and the, us being the hands and feet of Christ is, and so. Uh, that was that was really good for us to be able to do that and be a part of that. So it sounds like Honduras was on the same time frame as the United States was, like mid-March was kind of when everything hit yeah. the fan, I guess, so to speak, and they started shutting stuff down. Yeah, and exactly. You just came back last week. to You're in Colorado <laughs> now, right? Yes, yes. we came yeah. back on Thursday. Yes. <laughs> so, so you were – I mean, during the time, clearly you were you – were, um, serving people, you know, you're visiting homes and dropping off food and, and you're really, really serving the community. But what, what brought you to the point where you, you had to, I guess, evacuate is the right word. I mean, is that, is that a fair way to put it? Yeah. Well, we, we always plan to come to the States. We, we always come once a year and we come during the summer months because that's when we don't have our school and stuff like that. So that was kind of already in our plans, but our plan was to come actually June 11th. Well, then we got, we started getting some notices from the American embassy that said, if you're, if you want to get out, you need to get out now because um, the embassy was providing some flights um, with permission from the government, the Honduran government, to get out only American citizens. Um, but they're like, once pretty much once these flights are are, are gone, you're, 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 it's gone. <laughs> and um, I'm type one diabetic. So um, every summer when I come to the States, I have to get, um, there's not insulin, there's not the fast acting insulin. I'm on an insulin pump. Um, so, all of my supplies, I have to get those in the States and I get a year supply. 
So I, I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> like I've got about another yeah. month's supply till I get to the States and then I have to, then I replenish for the next year. So I'm like, that was a very real, like, I can't take the risk. We can't take the risk of getting stuck in Honduras and me not being able to get my insulin because that's life or death there. So, um, so then we, so we went ahead and like got a flight that was like, okay, this is approved. Well, then something went sideways and the Honduran government canceled the flight. Hey, the Honduran government, uh, the department is, it's called Senegar. It's kind of like the CDC of Honduras kind of, uh, thing. they changed their guidelines, uh, for flights and stuff. And we've kind of found this out more after the fact they changed their guidelines and United just didn't really have time to meet those guidelines, the new guidelines they put out. And so, so we, were, we, were supposed to, we were supposed to go on a, on the 24th of May, but then we, that I heard that one got changed to the 25th. But then they, when we United called, we called United. They said, we do have a flight on the 21st. So we're like, okay, we'll get on that flight. And then at about midnight of the 21st, that morning, we were going to get up in about three hours to, go try to catch our plane, we got a notification that that flight had been canceled. Uh, and so then we were like, okay, so we got on the phone and like, well, there are still seats for the flight on the 25th. So like, okay, we'll do that. So we prayed and we, we had given away all our food. So we had to go buy two or three days <laughs> worth of food provision. and everything. So we bought two or three days worth of food. We did and all that stuff. We had our place cleaned up, ready to go. And then about eight o'clock on Sunday night, we found out the flight on the 25th had been canceled. Uh, so now we were starting to question because now it had been about a week uh, to 10 days that no flights had come in or out of Honduras. And so we were really starting to get panicked. Of, you know, you know, some people are like, oh, how we're missionaries. Missionaries, we're not supposed to be panicked, but we were. Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden we're like, we got to get back in need, especially with her diabetes. She needs her supplies. We need to get back. And so we just started praying and praying. And then we the, the uh, actually another missionary who was Canadian. Uh, sent out a thing that he had heard that they were the flights on Tuesday and Thursday of this last week were going to be approved and they'd already gotten flight clearance and all that stuff. So we got on the flight for Thursday, uh, but it was two or three days of <laughs> still stressing out, nervous, couldn't sleep. Uh, but then it was great on Thursday morning. We got up to the airport and that was, it was chaotic at the airport. There was a protest by the taxi cab drivers and the roads were being blocked. We barely got through. Literally, we, we got through and then they took the road and it's like the main road to get to the airport. So like God was, <laughs> God was with us. Then we get to the airport and they have the airport closed because like the airport workers hadn't got there yet. So we had to wait outside for like an hour outside the airport. Then we finally get in the airport. Then we have more checkpoints and, and we're bleach, in line. We're in line. sprayed on us. We're, <laughs> we're in the line where you have to go if you have minors. Uh, flying with you and we're in and the two people in front of us they're both like getting rejected like they can't get on the flight and I'm like oh my god we're gonna have to, oh, no. like let's pretend these aren't our kids no but um and all this stuff but I'm just like what's happening here and then we get up there and we found out there were special circumstances on their things uh, we give them the paperwork and everything we have and we get through but standing in line my heart is pounding because we've already checked in for our flight and i'm like but everybody that went ahead of us seems to be getting rejected having and, problems and we're like oh no but uh we just i just said probably 100 prayers in that line while we were waiting uh and stuff and then we got up and it went through and we got on the flight and uh we are never so happy and it was, it was great and it really it really <laughs> get happened. off at houston <laughs> 
and we were just and it's been a blessing and you know we're, we're still praying and we ask anybody who watches this i know it won't be maybe for a couple of weeks to keep praying for honduras because they're getting hit with a tropical storm uh really bad like areas of our where we live are flooded uh, i know el salvador is totally underwater half of it uh right now and stuff so there's stuff going on and then of course they just sent out the thing saying that the current restrictions and everything that they've got going are going to go until at least august 15th and the borders are going to remain closed uh probably till august 15th at the earliest so we were set to go back on the 13th and now we don't know uh we are going to go back uh I have posted something about that. We were saddened that it doesn't look like the 13th and people think that we're, we're packing up ship and never no, going back, we're going but back. we are going back. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's say, but we're just kind of, it was just kind of saddening that we just don't know when right now, uh, probably will be in September sometime, but, uh, and also, but so just, we're just praying for that. And so, but we are, we are really fortunate that we were able to get out because a lot of the flights since then have been canceled because of weather or government issues. And so we're, we're very blessed that we were able to get where we needed to be. That's got to be difficult. I'm glad you made it back. I mean, your your life's kind of in upheaval, which is a lot of people true with COVID going on, but especially for you guys, because you don't even know, you have no idea. I know you said September, but I, I know that you're, while you say it, you're thinking maybe, right? I mean, <laughs> um, so yeah. So, well, is there is there anything that I, I didn't ask or anything that that you'd like to get out there and cover or, or, or someplace that people can go to, to look up your ministry and support you? Uh, yeah. If you, if you want to look us up, we do have a, a Facebook page, uh, teach me to with the number two love, uh, teach me to love all one word. Uh, but make sure you put the number two, uh, cause if not, it'll take you to another weird page. Um, uh, so that, that just is where we document what we do. We take pictures of the kids and we do have, uh, Teach Me to Love YouTube channel where we will post videos and like we have our Christmas program on there. Uh, so if people want to follow us, that's definitely a way uh, to do it. And I mean, it's in a couple of weeks and I don't know if it's okay or not, but we are having a virtual uh, sharing night. and yeah. giving night where we're going to be doing a live broadcast uh, for about an hour and a half or so. And we'll be taking if people have questions and stuff like that and just sharing what has been going on. Sharing some videos of the kids. Uh, yeah, and that'll be on June 20th. Uh, we'll be having a virtual sharing night uh, and stuff like that and a virtual giving night. So that's another we way. We usually can... do an annual trivia night uh, in support of, of Teach Me to Love, of the Academy and everything. But uh, with COVID, <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't do that really this year. But we're going to do a virtual something just to check in with people and people can ask us questions and, you know. Uh, but yeah, our Teach Me a Love Facebook page is the best thing because we pretty much almost on a daily basis post, you know, we'll post up little clips of the kids or, you know, just little stories, their artwork or, their artwork or stuff we're doing at school and, you know, just to give people a feel of what we're doing or when we've, we've had visitors, uh, that's another way, you know, if anybody feels, wants to come and visit. We're, you know, we love to have visitors. We've had visitors from North County Christian School and um, from other churches and individuals come spend a, you know, <laughs> spend a week with us. Um, some artsy people came and painted this beautiful, beautiful. mural in our backyard uh, at our school. And so um, we just, we love, we love what we get to do and love to have anybody that else wants to join us. That's beautiful. I'll make sure to put, so teach me to love. Is that the YouTube channel also with the number two? Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. 
So we'll get that up here. I'll just stick it up here somewhere. So if you want to you wanna work with the loonies or talk to them or support them or whatever, just hear about what they're doing. That's where you need to go. <laughs> Teach me the number two love. It sounds like yes. the word to get you to a whole different uh, yeah. gatherer. Yeah, that, I, I, don't I, typed try it, that. I typed it in one time. And now I, I have to correct people because if you go to that site, you're going to think we're weird. So that, <laughs> yeah, that's we're nothing not to that. do with us. Right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> look, for, look for our cute students. Uh, it takes all kinds. Um, so yeah, you know, I really appreciate you coming. What, I mean, it really is exciting and beautiful to hear about what you're doing down there. I mean, to hear about kids. And like I said before, that, that had been basically separated or ostracized from society that you're working to bring in, you're making a major difference in people's lives. And, and it shows, it shows through your ministry and what you do every day. And, um, that's incredible and hope you'll get to go back sooner than later and, uh, and keep it going. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, John and Alicia Looney, thanks for coming on and, uh, hopefully you get some, some more people to support you out of this, but more like more, more than, uh, more than that, just really glad you got your story out there and uh, we'll get some people to listen. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. Thanks. We'll talk to you later.